What is up, everyone? Welcome to the stream with Noah Gayhart. I am Rob Rundle from Chalk Talk Nation. Uh, welcome every Sunday night, every week at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We we do live podcasts, and essentially we've been doing breakdowns across all divisions. And now we're just going to talk about weekly updates, what's been going on around Major League Baseball. And to start off first, Noah, I want to ask you this. Once again, it seems like Rob Manfred is holding out. We still have not heard anything from the Boston Red Sox. What do you think is going on? Do you think the coronavirus is really just the main focus right now with him? Because he seems to be putting it off even beforehand. Yeah, I would say that that's probably what it is at this point. Uh, you know, we talked, we, we spent the whole podcast last week talking about the MLB and the MLB player association trying to come to terms with, you know, different stuff as far as payment and all and stuff like that. And when the season's going to start, and I think that that's just kind of been what Manfred's main focus has been right now. And I think yeah. until we can get to where we have a more concrete idea of what exactly the season's going to look like, I think that we're probably not going to hear much about the Red Sox thing. Right. So maybe they have come to a conclusion of what they theoretically want to do. But we do need to wait to see when the season starts. A lot of people now are saying July 1, you know, July 1st, just for the simple fact that, you know, in Toronto, just in general, they're not allowing any public events. What is so funny? What is so funny, Noah? Uh, uh, Officer Custard put in the chat, uh, Rob Manfred's focus is to make the absolute worst decision possible. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the way that Manfred's been, you know, as, as a commissioner to this point it wouldn't surprise me it really just seems like he doesn't like baseball uh, do you get that vibe from him as well because that's how it comes off to me no i i kind of do too i feel like it's more business essential type things you know trying to implement new rules in the game and whatnot and no i could i can definitely see that i mean some some rules i'm in favor for you know like i like us being able to hear the challenges between the umpires that's cool you know like mic mm -hmm. up the players that's fine everything but, you know, universal DH, three batter minimum, and I don't know. And there's just more and more that's going to start to come in the next couple of years. It's just kind of all haywire for me. I don't know. I don't know. But, dude, it's like I just want to know. Like, I just want to know. Is it going to be anywhere close to the Astros punishment or is it just going to be like, oh, okay, you know what, we'll suspend um, Cora for just like – half a season or season two and stuff like that it's just i would feel like core would get at least two seasons don't you think because he was part of the 2017 team and then the 2018 red sox he won two world series technically yeah i think alex cora is going to be the guy that gets hit the hardest by all of this it wouldn't surprise me honestly yeah. like it wouldn't surprise me if they really really wanted to make a statement about this if they just banned him from baseball just period um i mean i think that that would be you know when you looked at like pete rose with the whole cheating thing like he got banned from baseball and that was just them setting the president like hey don't do this <laughs> dude so, for real i i think that th this could be a situation where because alex cora was a part of both of this and then there was also the apple watch cheating thing um back in 2018 as well that came out at the time i think yeah that, so he's technically a like a like a repeat offender and so because of that i think that you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if they just either gave him a multiple year suspension or just ban them from baseball in general. I just think it's crazy how you could ban someone or not ban someone who has cheated to literally win a World Series, but then ban someone from baseball who gambled on their own team. And I, I don't know. It's such a gray area. 
spot for most fans, but especially mm-hmm. for, yeah. you know, Cincinnati Reds fans because of Pete Rose, like why is his ban not lifted? Because with everything going on with the Astros and the Red Sox, they've been trying to lift his ban or he's been trying to like, how do you see this worse than what I did? Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> he he probably has a point that maybe that this is not what he did is not as bad as what, you know, the Astros were doing. I think that's a fair point. I think the problem with Pete Rose is that he is such a piece of garbage human being <laughs> that it makes it hard to unban him. That's true. That's because true. statistically speaking, the man's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. I mean, sure, a lot of his stats are kind of accumulative because he played for forever, it seems like, almost like almost 25 years. But still. But at the same time, he put up good rate stats and stuff like that. Like, he's a Hall of Famer. But then you look at Pete Rose, the per- person, he's an absolute jerk. Um, I mean, he's a accused like sex offender. Like, let's not sweep that under the rug. Is is like people it's like Cincinnati. I forgot of, about that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like old old time fans are like, no, Pete Rose did no wrong. He's this great human being, and it's like, well, not really if you actually look at it. So I think it's that's probably his issue at this point is overcoming what who he's a, who he is as a person compared to what you know what he did comparing it that way for baseball. Yeah, I mean. I think we could just leave it at that because that's just we could just go into a like a rabbit hole with this. Um, let's transition a little bit into MLB the show, what we've been doing or what we're trying to do. Um, as everyone knows, who's been watching every week or every day, even you know, there's been streams on this channel uh, for our custom league, the YouTube League Baseball, which next season it's going to be changed to the Twitch Baseball League because everyone's on Twitch. Um, but uh, I started doing a franchise. I do write the show on off days and stuff like that. And Noah, I know that you still are wanting to do it. You're looking to get a capture card. What are you hoping to do with this channel? Because it seems like we, we are growing a little bit. You know, we're halfway to affiliate, which is pretty cool. Um, what are your plans for the future with, you know, baseball being kind of shut down? Yeah, so on my end, so obviously you've kind of taken the road to the show approach. You know, we've got um... – his name's escaping me right now, but you have the created guy. I haven't done well that. As, I haven't done that one in forever. The Vinny Perrazzo. Yeah, I've as kind well of been as just doing mine. Right, as well as your own personal road to the show guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you're currently right now doing a Marlins franchise rebuild where you're streaming like every day, like the actual game times. Yeah. I think the approach once I finally so basically what we're waiting on is on my end is I need to get a capture card and a working solidly uh, webcam. Basically, once that happens, I'm gonna do more of like kind of an episode to episode type of franchise mode here on the YouTube channel, as well as streaming some of the games over on Twitch, but it'll be more, more of like a consistent, what you would expect out of a franchise where it's going to be multiple seasons going through the off season, doing stuff like that, like a full rebuild instead of kind of what you're seeing with what Rob's doing now with the Marlins, where he's playing every day, every game at like the actual time. So episodes might span like a couple weeks of the season at a time. It would be something more like that. Yeah. No, and that's what's really unique too. And Noah and I are completely different players, you know. In franchise, I'm more of a free swinger because I don't know, just it's like a mindset thing. When I play against someone online, it changes. But for, franchise, just offline, and I'm a free swinger. But Noah, you know, he's still sweaty. He's still, um, you know, good as can be. It's insane. But it's gonna be something cool that everyone should check out. If you're watching on YouTube, you can check us out on Twitch. Just Chalk Talk Nation. 
Um, also, you can follow us on Twitter when you see scroll across the screen at Chalk Talk Nation as well. Um, we haven't been able to post baseball updates on there. It's just strictly been Twitch and YouTube and and whatnot because there hasn't been anything going on. You know, we're still kind of waiting around like everyone else is. But as we wait around, uh, I think it's unique to go around every position. So we know we had that our special segment, the start one, cut one, bench one. We went around the diamond, you know, just giving each other players. And now we're going to start off with um, first baseman today. First baseman, our top 10 first baseman. And we would love everyone in the chat. Tell us if you agree. Tell us if you disagree. And this is how, you know, we come to a consensus and understanding. Uh, I think it's going to be really unique because I see things in different players that Noah may not see. So with that being said, should we start off with number 10? Yeah, we do have a question from Officer Custer before we get oh, into, into the action. Okay. Just wants to know why the uh, why your stream cut out so suddenly last night. I, I didn't get to watch your stream last night, so I, I kind of want to know as well. What, wow. Uh, Salt to the wounds. Um, so I was up – no, I was down 6-1 to one to Garrett Cole. Okay, I was playing in the custom league game, and I fought my way back. It was 6-4. to four in the top of the ninth inning with two outs. Jed Lowry was up. I was like, no, I'm going to pinch hit. I'll put Albert Pujols in. Albert Pujols hits a dinker line drive to right field. Runner on first. He has a role to Chapman in, by the way. So, okay, now I have my pitcher up. Now I have to pinch it. It was between um, Chad Pinder or Steven Piscotty. Steven Piscotty's vision was better and had a little bit more, like, better power. So I was like, okay, I'll put Piscotty in. And I hit well with him against lefties. Throws me an inside fastball. I tie the game with two outs on top of the ninth, six to six. And then in the bottom half of the ninth, or no, I send it to extras. It's like the 11th inning at this point. So I was already kind of, my bullpen was bleak. So I didn't have that much to work with. And then somebody got a hit or a walk. Either way, the guy was on first base. I have JT Romuda behind the plate. I slide step and somehow, some way he's safe at second. So there's, there's two outs, runner on second. And he hits a dinker, I kid you not, that landed like five feet behind my first baseman, and he scored because there's two outs, and I lost. I really wasn't mad. Um, people might think I was. I really wasn't because I have my buddies over here. Um, but I'm glad it kind of ended because my bullpen would have been hurting bad if I would have kept the game going. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is what it is. He actually deserved that win. So, But that's what happened. So thanks, Officer yeah. Custard. I so I'm, I'm going to cut in real quick just to – do some more promoting here if you haven't checked out one of the twitch streams i i implore you to please go do so i i'm not quite as entertaining to watch as what robbie is like i can tell you technically here's what i'm doing here are the things that kind of make me like a good player like the kind of things i look for but if you're just looking for pure entertainment value robbie's the guy to watch i mean if you haven't seen it i played him i guess that was what like a week ago now maybe I'll tweet, like, I'll tweet the like, link out. We had like to twenty the some viewers too. Yeah, point. I'll tweet the link out to the video on on the Twitter once we get done here with the podcast. But go watch it. One, it was a really good game. It was a close game. But I mean, the things that Robbie said about me, obviously <laughs> we're past it. I know Robbie loves me, and we're we're good. We're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but go watch that. How mad he got was just hilarious, and it's just a good time. I, I'll, I'll tweet it out so you guys can go see that if you haven't already. But it's really good, and I definitely recommend going and watching Robbie play on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves when i get upset playing the game and i mean i understand why i go back and it is kind of funny too um i think that's what makes kevin god so funny because 
he's just always full of rage and the the things mm-hmm. he says it's just comical and when i played noah oh it's it's bad like it's really bad i've only beaten him twice since july and i'll tell you what i'll tweet out the video too uh that i beat him in on legend the final mm-hmm. inning so anyway all right let's let's dive into our top our top 10 first baseman who you got at number 10 big guy yeah, so for me, and I get that this is a bit of a homer pick, but I've got Joseph Daniel Votto as my number 10. I knew he was going to be in your top oh. 10. I I knew. Honestly, I thought he was oh. going to be like number 8 or something. There are a lot of people that you could go with at 10, but once you get kind of get down to like ten, 9 and 10 and the list, at least when I found when I was do, when creating my list, is that you kind of get like this whole group of players that you know just start to blend together in terms of their skill level. So the reason I picked Joey Votto, one, because I love Joey Votto, and two, because I genuinely think that because of the other moves that the Reds went out and made this offseason, it sets him up in a better position to succeed. So they went out. So last year in the lineup, Suarez was the only protection Votto had in the lineup. I mean, let's be real about it. There weren't really that many guys, especially because the Reds dealt with injuries and stuff like that as well. Like They just weren't that good. And that's kind of been the theme for the last four or five seasons. But what the Reds went out to this offseason, they go, they pick up uh, Mike Moustakis. They pick up Nick Castellanos. Suarez is now coming off of a 49 home run season, so people are taking him a bit more seriously at the plate. And so I think what they did is they went out and they took a lot of the offensive load off of Vada's shoulders. Now, am I saying that Joey Vada is going to be 2017 second place MVP candidate or 2010 MVP winner type of player anymore? No. But what I think he can be is a guy that hits – 270, 280, gets on base close to 400, and then slugs somewhere in the low 400s. I don't think that that's asking that. I mean, that's not 15 to 20 power in Great American Ballpark for home runs. Like, that's not anything insane. I think that's definitely doable for a guy like Joey Votto. And, you know, I think one of the things that also ultimately led to me putting him in this list is the swing changes he made last year. You can watch, if you go back and look at stuff from April or May and even into June last year, and we saw it because we watched a lot of games together at the beginning of the year last year, he just didn't look comfortable with the plate. He was doing these really weird swing things. Dude, he did choke. He did to like mid-June, it almost yeah, seemed like. A lot of like, he choked up like the hole at bat. It used to be he'd choke up with two strikes just trying to put the ball in play. The hole at bat, he was really low in his stance and it just, it didn't look right. And then you kind of get to the end of June, July, suddenly he wasn't choking up anymore he was standing taller at the plate and you can go and you can look at his like hard hit percentage and fly ball rates and stuff like that. Suddenly those numbers jumped and his hitting production went up. So I think towards the middle of the season, towards the end, he started hitting the ball with a lot more authority. And, and I think that that'll carry over to this year once the season actually starts. So that's why I went with him as my number 10 pick. What about you? I understand where you're coming from. I actually don't have him in, in my top 10 at all. Um, I love Joseph Daniel Votto. I love him a lot. He's a friendly guy. He's a good baseball player. Don't get me wrong. Um, my biggest issue, though, is exactly what you said, you know, with how he started out last year. And, yeah, it seemed like he did kind of figure things out towards the end of last year, but what's it going to be this year, you know? So I, I'm just kind of, like, twiddling my thumbs a little bit, and maybe it does indirectly help him, the fact that there's more offensive threats now on the Reds that they have to look out for. Um, but – one thing that could be misleading to people is you might see a spike in RBIs or, you know, runs created just for the simple fact that there are more guys capable to get on base, you know, and that's something that could be a good thing or a bad thing. 
that'll show how things operate last year's team or even the last three years when the Reds have won 60 games. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But for me, at my number 10, I have Luke Voigt. Uh, Luke Voigt, he's not very good defensively. Okay, the, my bottom, my bottom uh, four, my bottom four first basemen are not very good defensively. But what they do bring is, you know, hey, I'm at the plate. You better be careful what you throw me. You know what I mean? So uh, Luke Voigt last year, 118 games, uh, OPS of 842, not bad. We, he battled that sports hernia injury, elected not to get surgery. I think he did get surgery after the season, um, I believe, and it was good. Don't quote me on that, though. That's just I, – I think that's what he did. But even in 2018, he had um, easily – he had a, over 900 OPS. Uh, he was traded uh, from the Cardinals in 2018, and um, the dude was immaculate. He just a lot of power and his swing and what he brings to that Yankee lineup, especially with a with a team that was battling a lot of injuries. And it seemed like he found his swagger, like he found you know what he's been looking for, you know, for the first year and a half in the league in 2017. So I really like him especially in that Yankees lineup, a lot of power. And the only, the only issue with him, though, he does strike out a lot. He's kind of a make-or-break kind of guy. But most of the times, I mean, he's he hit 21 bombs last year and it's 21 doubles and even a triple. So it's there. But that's why I have him as my number 10. Yeah, so I can go ahead and jump in quickly to my number nine then because I have Luke Voigt as my number nine on the list. There you go. Uh, you know, obviously, like you talked about, a guy not really known for his defense, at least to me, a guy that kind of seemed like he came out of nowhere two years ago. Like I remember he played for the Cardinals, and obviously that's a guy that as a Reds fan I would see him play, and, you know, he really didn't look all that great at the plate. Obviously, he was a big dude, and that's kind of, you know, like, oh, okay, maybe this dude's going to crush the ball, and he really didn't do too too much for the cardinals and then he goes to the yankees suddenly he's hitting like 340 hitting a bomb out it seems like every night uh you know you mentioned the sports hernia thing he only played 118 games last year but he still hit 21 home runs in those 118 yeah. games yeah that's not bad no uh, still accumulated depending on where you look at baseball reference or fan graphs 1.4 1.7 war that's not bad either especially when you take into consideration the defensive hit that first baseman's take is with war uh you know, 124 OPS plus. So even battling a sports hernia and injuries and stuff like that, still almost 25% above league average, you know? And and I and it's kind of the same thing like what I talked about with Vado where, you know, with Luke Voigt, like some when you play in the Yankees, you got to pitch to somebody. I mean, when you look at the Yankees lineup, yeah, like dude. they've got Judge, they've got Stanton, Torres, uh, Gary Sanchez behind the dish. Like, like eventually you're going to have to pick someone to throw strikes to in the lineup. And I think that, because the other hitters in the Yankees lineup are so good, I think that that's kind of going to lead to Luke Voigt seeing some better pitches and hit some more fastballs because they're not going to want to walk him and then get to a guy like Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton with people on base. So I think he'll get good pitches to hit. I think if he's fully healthy, he's a guy that can crush the ball offensively. Yeah, and I just did the math too. Every, um, every 10 at-bats, he's getting an extra base hit. That's not bad at all. Uh, you, you can't complain with that, especially, yes, Yankee Stadium is a hitter-friendly ballpark, but I think he still puts these kind of numbers up if he's in a ballpark the size of Oakland or St. Mm. Louis, Detroit. Uh, he has so much raw power. And um, 
but I'd like to know what the at bats are <laughs> for per strikeout. It's probably like three or four. So, but no, nah, dude, he's uh, he's pretty good. I guess I'll kind of transition from you then. Unless do you have any uh, thing else you want to say about Luke? No, Boyd? I think I've covered it as far as that goes. Uh, my number nine is Josh Bell. Josh Bell is my number nine. Um, it'd be funny if he was your number eight. He <laughs> um, is my number. Eight. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> wow. So we're not we're not too far off then. We're not too no. far off. Another guy still not known for his his defense per se, but this is a guy who jumped onto the scene all of a sudden, really in, in 2019, just playing a lot more power. His, his OPS almost jumped 200 points, which is huge. Uh, the slugging percentage in his uh, first three years was you know 400 450 ish right around that range last year 569 so and you have to think too that slugging percentage might have been in the six seven hundreds that first half of the season uh he was on an absolute tear uh mvp like type finalist that first half and then after the home run derby everything it kind of got the curse to him kind of like what happened to frazier and he just dude, he just fell off but even though he fell off, he still hit 277. His OBP was 90 points greater than that, which was 367. It's insane. The dude walked 74 times. He had 37 bombs, 37 doubles, and three triples. You want to talk about a guy hitting from both sides of the plate. You'll take that all day, especially at 27 years old. And, I mean, he's still – he's not, like, completely abysmal at first base, but, I mean, he just doesn't have the range, per se. So that's why he's my number nine. So, if you want to continue on with your number eight, yeah. So I have Josh Bell as my number twenty or as my number eight. You know, I mean, the dude's only twenty-seven. I don't know if it feels like it for you. Maybe it just does for me because being a Reds fan, I I see him consistently when I watch games. But it feels like he's been around a lot longer than just being a twenty-seven-year-old. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned that he was on an absolute tear, and you're right, he was in the first half. And even though he fell off in the second half, if you look at his OPS plus, it was still 143. That's insane. So, I mean, almost 50% above league average, and you played pretty bad the second half of the season, which is just like, it's insane to think about how good your first half had to have been. Dude, for you. yeah, for real. And so, I mean, almost uh, almost two, two and a half to three war, depending on where you look uh, for, for your war stat. Um, but, you know, I mean, 37 home runs out of a switch hitter, I, I think you'll take that. I mean, it's just he's a good player. I think he's going to get better. He's a guy that I think, you know, if we continue to do this list year after year, I think he's a guy that's kind of probably going to climb the list some here in the next couple of years. I think that if he can put, even if he doesn't play as well as he did in the first half, if he can put together seasons that are just like a full season of consistent level of play, I, I think he could be a dangerous bat in the NL Central for years to come. Yeah, dude, he still has two years left until arbitration. So, I, Pirates have you know a good foundation there at first base. Mm -hmm. Josh Bell, um, I'm pretty sure. Can he play in the outfield? Does he play in the outfield at all? He can play. Well, he hasn't played there in a few years. That's why I, mean, I they, thought they he played, played in the right field when he first came up. They That's played right. him out there a little bit, okay. but he hasn't played there in a few years. So, I guess technically, if he had to, he probably would. But. I mean, I guess maybe this year he might, considering that the Pirates don't have anything else. Maybe if they get uh, mm -hmm. some production out of another first baseman, they'll try and move him out in the outfield for a little bit, see how it works. But I mean, uh, hard-pressed to want to move him from where he's playing the best at. Dude, I mean, Joe Musgrove, Trevor Williams, and then Mitch Keller coming up through the organization. In a couple of years, maybe. I mean, they, maybe they'll start to climb back to their wild-card-type team back in 2014, you know? So having him and Adam Frazier, that's going to be good for them. 
Um, my number eight, and you're probably going to disagree with this, and that's perfectly fine, but for his age and for him to still produce the way he's producing, I got to go with Daniel Murphy. Daniel Murphy is my number eight first baseman. Um, he, he hasn't hit for a lot of power like he used to and whatnot, and the walks are kind of down, but for him to still, uh, you know, 279, 780 OPS, it's not bad. And he's had such a tremendous career, dude. He's hit 298 in his career, over an 800 OPS. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I love Daniel Murphy. I had to put him at number eight, man. 35 years old. Um, let's see. And he still has, um, this is, could be his final year of his contract. Uh, it's a mutual option for 2021. So 78 ribbies in 132 games, but you know, I still like Daniel Murphy. It's my number eight. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I could see now. Now I'll say I don't have a problem with him being on your list. I can see the case made for like being number ten on this list. You know, it's kind of the same thing I talked about. I picked Joey Votto out of that group of players. You picked Daniel Murphy. Like the, the like it makes sense to me that he would fall towards like yeah. the ten to like fourteen yeah. type of range for a player because they're all kind of in that same mix i don't know about number eight though especially when you look at the guys that you had behind him and luke voigt and josh bell i think that they're just far and away better players at this point especially going into 2020 i mean josh bell's 27 luke voigt's 29 and they're both guys that are getting consistently better when they're healthy and at this point i don't think that a 780 ops that late in your career with, with no real prospects as far as like getting better either i just i don't know that i would have him that high on my listen list. that was my favorite pick and you had your favorite pick so no that's fine i'm i'm no i know just, i'm just messing with you i honestly i agree with you if i could redo this i'd put daniel murphy at 10 for sure 100 percent. so let's just say luke Boyd's my number nine josh bell's my number eight okay <laughs> works for me i don't <laughs> right. that doesn't really matter all it's right all who's, your, who's, your number, who's your number seven so my number seven is carlos santana uh, he's going to be 34 this year, 158 games last year for the Dude, Indians. Forgot about Carlos Santana. Hit uh, 281 with a 397 uh, OBP, 515 slugging that comes out to a 911 OPS. 34 bombs last year, 136 OPS plus. So he was up there offensively. Put up 4.6 uh, B WAR, 4.4 F WAR. Uh, I mean, the dude just he gets on base, he mashes at the plate. Uh, you know, switch hitter, which is also, you know, it's a nice thing to have. I think that next year there's probably going to be a little bit of a regression from him. His, his batting average and balls in play was a little high for compared to what his career was. But it, it was really cool to see because he played for the Indians up until two years ago. He played pretty well for the Indians. He left and went to the Phillies for a year, and he just he, he struggled the entire season. And then he comes back this year to the Indians, and suddenly – Maybe it's something of a comfort thing or their hitting coach or something just really vibes with him the right way where he comes back to Cleveland again and then suddenly just starts mashing again. Um, so I, I don't know. He's my number seven. I think that uh, the way that his approach is at the plate, you know, he's got a really good uh, feel for the strike zone. And I don't know. I just, I've got him as my number seven. Okay. Okay. I have another guy that meshes a lot of home runs as my number seven, not Carlos Santana. I honestly forgot about Carlos Santana and I'm really mad at myself for that reason. But my number seven is Jose Abreu. Uh, Jose Abreu, a uh, guy hit 284 last year, 503 slugging, and 833 OPS. He doesn't walk a lot. The dude mashes baseballs. 
33 bombs, 38 doubles in a triple, and 634 at-bats. Played almost every game. For the age 33 season, I kind of thought in the previous two years, like in 2017, 2018, I was like, okay, this is where he's starting to regress and everything like that. Like, coming, starting to come down to earth. No. Like, he totally revamped himself in 2019. And now with this year, with the lineup that they have, I really see him just booming, just excelling. He's 33 still, which is, I'd say, 33 is two years past, like, your absolute final prime. Um so, and at that age for him, I could see him still progressing. It's going to be nasty. He's not that great. He's pretty abysmal at first base still, but um, he's getting better. Um, I don't know what his war was from last year, but, uh, dude, the man can just mash some baseballs. <laughs> so that's my number seven. Yeah, I kind of went the other way from how you did. He was another guy that I thought about a lot on putting on my list, and ultimately I ended up not doing it but the the reason why you said that you, you kind of felt that he turned around his career was kind of how I discounted him a little bit and kind of kept him off the list like you said he struggled you know the previous past few seasons before last season and then suddenly he has this offensive great awakening in his mid-30s I just I don't know how much I trust that I think part of with a lot of what we saw with a lot of players last year is suddenly people are producing insane offensive numbers. And I think you can attribute a lot of that to the baseball that MLB refuses to tell the truth about even, you know, six months past the season at this point, but those balls were juiced. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. He didn't make the cut for me. I definitely see the argument for putting him on your list and, you know, he's a guy that deserves some recognition. And I think you're right. He is a guy that, you know, there's a chance that with their kind of revamp lineup and what they did in the off season, that he could be, you know, a guy that, you know, produces. I just don't think that he'll be kind of the center of their lineup, you know, for any period of time to come. So oh, yeah. for my number six, I went with a guy that uh, probably was two, in the top two or three for a lot of people a couple, the, like the past couple of years, and that's Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, he's going to be 32 this year. 161 games last year, hit 260, 346, 4, 476 for slugging. It's an 821 OPS. He's a guy that really struggled last year, which is interesting, especially with what we just talked about with how the balls. And those, number, those numbers are still pretty good. This is a guy who usually gets right. an OPS over 900. <laughs> yeah, this, this is insane. a guy that put up uh, 2.4, 2.9 war, depending on where you look, and he struggled mightily at the plate. Now, part of this, and this is something I've talked about in the past, kind of when, I, when we talked about uh, Tim Anderson and Yon Mankata, I talked about how their super high batting average on balls in play kind of meant that they were probably going to regress some. Paul Goldschmidt is kind of like the opposite. So last year, he had a batting average in balls in play of 302, and his career batting average in balls in play was 348. So this is a guy who's 46 points below what his usual average on on balls that he puts in play and so i think that that is probably a reason that uh the numbers kind of fell so drastically for him especially when he was able to still put up 34 home runs which is you know kind of in the ballpark for where he normally is i think that just he got really unlucky at the plate last year when he was putting the ball you know in play probably had a bunch of lineouts. you know it just i'm sure it was a really frustrating season for him but i would imagine that his numbers are probably going to bounce back at least some to where they used to be obviously i've still got him at six so i don't think he's going to bounce back all the way because he is kind of getting to that tail end of what we kind of think is players primes but i don't know that's my number six what do you have 
you're gonna laugh at me, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want to tell you. <laughs> My number six is Reese Hoskins. Okay. Like I'm like I know you're laughing at me inside your head, and I don't like it. I I'm not I'm not laughing. I I would like to hear your reasoning though for number six because he's a guy. He's again. He he's doesn't hit for guys I was like okay. He's a guy that I might have like nine or ten on my list. So I'm curious why you have him, you know, this high. I think Philadelphia is really starting to find like find their niche, like what's like theirs. You know, you finally have a year with Harper under your belt. Hoskins, you know, with his rookie year was in the outfield. Now he's transitioned to first base. So he had a 1.5 WAR last year. Take it with a grain of salt, whatever. But I mean, the dude still mashes. Like I'm more of an offensive guy when I look at production, and you're kind of more like a whole sense kind of guy, which makes your argument like a lot more logical. But for me, it's like, you know, he still has over an 800 OPS when he hits 246, 226. Like, you can't just look at average and stuff like that. His his OBP is always 100 points higher than his batting average. So, I like I like Reese Hoskins a lot, man. Uh, hit 29 bombs last year and 34 in 2018. And dude, he still like has yet to hit his prime. I'd say this next coming year or two will be his prime. And maybe he's just kind of like Whit Merrifield. Maybe he's a late bloomer. Maybe now we'll start to see him just take off. Um, so, but I really like Reese Hoskins, man. I, that's why I have him as my number six. Yeah, well, I mean, like, while while I don't agree with you at having him at number six, I kind of hope you're right because when he's just firing on all cylinders, he's just a super fun guy to watch play. It seems like every time when he's hitting the ball, well, it seems like almost every time up's a home run. Um, you know, a guy that we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, uh, Aquino, I mean, you even coined the Aquino effect term, but yep. it, it's kind of like when he was going through that super hot August last year, it seemed like every time they were talking about what his home run pace was, Reese Hoskins was the guy that they were preparing, comparing him to. And so I think that if Reese Hoskins can kind of maybe make some adjustments, figure out how to put more consistent uh, bat to the ball, because I think that's kind of the thing is his average is super low, and I think that that's kind of what's hurting him. Because like you said, he walks a lot. I mean, it takes too many pitches. I think like if he can just find what pitches, some more pitches to hit, uh, I think that he's a guy that could jump up this list. I think part of that too also falls on Harper had kind of a down year last year, and I think that that makes a difference as well because when you look at you know the protection in the lineup. Obviously, that's something I've talked about that a decent amount already in this podcast. So I'm not going to rehash all of it. But not having that kind of protection in the lineup makes you an easier guy to go after because suddenly you can throw a bunch of sliders down and away in the dirt or changeups in the dirt and try and get them to chase because you can walk him and not have to worry about the next guy behind him in the lineup hitting with a guy on base. And so I think that it might be one of those things where as we see Harper have better seasons, I think we're also going to see Hoskins have better seasons as well. Yeah, for sure, man. What's your number five? Yeah, so I think this might be the point in this list where we're probably going to have the same players. Maybe not necessarily the same order, but at least looking at the guys I have left, I hope they're in your top ten. Well, let me uh, let me just tell you one thing. I'm just going to get out of the way. My number five is Paul Goldschmidt, and I'm not going to say anything about him because you already did. So Okay, yeah. But, okay, but you go with your number five. Yeah, so my number five I have is Anthony Rizzo. So... 146 games last year, 293 average, 405 OBP, 520 slugging, uh, 137 OPS plus, roughly four war last year. He's just been one of those guys that's just been consistent his whole career. Never anything that's just going to jump off the page power numbers lot, 
uh, you know, 27 home runs last year. That's not insane, but you know, that's good production for the middle of your lineup. You look at uh, his slash line, roughly a hundred points between each average on base percentage and slugging percentage. Uh, he's a guy that gives you good defense. I think he won the gold glove for national league first baseman last year. I don't, I'm not entirely sure if that's true, but I think it is. So he's a guy that helps you on both sides of the ball. Hits well, hits good average, takes a lot of walks. Uh, he's just a good piece for the middle of the lineup. So I've, I've got him as my five. Okay. And I got I got Goldschmidt as my number five, so. Hey, do you want to go ahead and jump into your four, break me up from talking for a little no, bit? that's actually a good idea. My number four is Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. Dude, Anthony Rizzo, I really liked when uh, last year Joe Madden put him as a leadoff guy. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that you could have somebody who hits for raw power, put him in the number one spot and still have – the level of, level of production he did, 94 RBIs. Dude, that's a lot. That's a mm -hmm. lot. Yeah. Like, this is a guy, I mean, over 900. He had a 925 OPS, um, hitting 293, and he hasn't regressed really at all. Um, and especially for the Cubs, they could really use him and use his production. They need him. They need him a lot, especially with their pitching going down. His offensive production is really going to help solidify that unit if they can stay healthy and whatnot. So, Anthony Rezzo is my number four. Who's your number four? Don't disappoint me. My number four in this may – you might think it's a little low. I'm not really sure. Ah, oh, here we go. I already know who But I have Pete Alonso as my number four on the list. Interesting. Is that who you thought I was going to say? No. I'm not going to – no. Okay. Well, 161 games last year, uh, 260, 358, 583, 53 home runs, OPS plus almost 148, you know um, – 5.2 B war 4.8 F war. I mean, we're getting to the point now where everybody on these lists are putting up pretty stupid numbers as far as production goes. For me, I just I'm kind of a big believer in at least some regression. Your second year in the league, I, kind of like a sophomore slump, I guess would be the way to put it. I just I don't think he's going to come out and put up 53 home runs with 150 OPS plus. Just like just again. like Aaron Judge, just like Aaron yeah, Judge. Yeah, so like just like Aaron Judge or the guy that I thought of was Cody Bellinger. Yeah, you know he was amazing when he first came up. Struggled a little bit his second year, and now look at him; he's the top five player in the league. I think that Pete Alonso could follow that same trek. But I think that what we're going to see is that pitchers, after a full season and a whole season, they're going to figure out how how to pitch around him. And I think it's going to take a bit of adjusting on his end to then adjust back. So I think that his numbers in production is going to drop a little bit as far as this year. But I mean, he's still a hell of a player, and he's only 25, so it's not like. Like he'll be at the top of this list for for a while, or towards the top. Hundred percent. No, I completely agree with you about Pete Alonso. Um, should I give you my number three? Yep. Or, yeah. Go ahead. S say it for me. I. It could be any number of guys. I'm not sure who. <laughs> ah, Matt Olson, baby. It's my dude, uh, Matt Olson. You want to talk about a, a gold glove guy right here. Won the platinum glove in 2018, won the gold glove uh, last year in 2019. Dude, this guy is just raw, okay? I'm not talking about Justin Olby, the show. He's disgusting, and it really sucks that this is his last year before arbitration and he's not going to be here any longer. So I'm going to enjoy my time with him as much as possible. Matt Olson, dude, he missed a whole month of a season due to a, a handmate bone injury. Listen to these numbers. And 483 at bats, dude hit 36 bombs, okay, 91 RBIs. His slugging percentage was 545, OPS plus 137, OPS 896. Dude, he missed a whole month of the season. Like, 
We're talking MVP type season right here, folks. 5.4 war. Disgusting. His career war is 12.2. He's been in the league for three seasons. Raw. Um, I, dude, he would have easily probably eclipsed 50 home runs this year if he didn't miss that, that season. And for him to keep putting that uh, – um, just putting that out all, all out there in the field. Like, I have so much in my head I can't even speak right now. And, you know, I was worried about him falling off, people figuring him out. No. Dude, dude just is just a spray hitter, can hit the ball, power, raw power to all parts of the field. And I could go on and on about him, so I'm just going to stop there. Matt Olson's my number three. Okay. My number three Unbiased is, opinion, by the way. It's Max Muncy, uh, 29 years old. 141 games last year, uh, former Oakland Athletic reject, now Dodgers star. Uh, 251 average, 374 BP, 515 slugging, OPS just shy of 900, 35 home runs, put up 5.7 baseball reference war, 4.8 uh, fan graphs war. I mean, the dude just absolutely mashes the ball. Obviously, the average is a little low at 250, but he kind of makes up for that because his OBP is 120 points higher. So it's a guy that has a good feel for the strike zone, gets a lot of walks. And another thing that's really cool about Max Muncy is the positional versatility. Obviously, he's listed as a first baseman, but you know he also plays a decent amount of innings at second and third base as well. And I think when you look at a team like the Dodgers that have so many different really, really good players, any time that you can have a guy that's versatile and you can move him around to try and get as many good bats in the lineup, I think that that kind of adds to the value that a guy like him has. No, I agree, and I'm going to be honest with you. That's the only reason I didn't put him in my top 10 list is because he is a versatile player. He, he can play the positions. Mostly he does play first, but, you know, the dude is raw. I miss him a lot. Just imagine if he was still with Oakland. Yeah, she shouldn't have DFA'd him. Yeah, that's what they get, right? <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, my number two is the polar bear. Surprising. Um, You know, I had that same – I'm still worried about how he's going to, you know, fare out mm -hmm. for sophomore season. I do think, like you said, uh, the whole Aaron Judge, his 2018, we kind of saw him come back to life a little bit. And I, I think we're going to see Alonzo. He's not going to hit 53 home runs. We can all agree on that. But he'll still be a guy who hits over 30. Um, absolutely raw power. He's 25, dude. And, like, I'm not going to go into all the things you already said about him, but he's not bad defensively either. For a big guy, mm -hmm. he can, he can move. He can you know he can pick. He can backhand whatever. So he's my number two. What's your number two? So, so my number two is Freddie Freeman. So he's thirty. He's gonna be thirty this year. One hundred fifty-eight games played last season. Two ninety-five, three eighty-five, three eighty-nine, five forty-nine, thirty-eight home runs. Uh, roughly, I think he had four WAR in both Baseball Reference and Fangraphs. Um, you know, and he put those numbers up, and it kind of came out. We mentioned this, I guess, a couple podcasts ago that he's been playing like injured his entire career. Like he finally got surgery on his elbow and got some like bone spurs or something removed, and he said that he feels like a hundred percent healthy for the first time in his career. So I think that that's kind of going to boost his numbers a little bit. And then on top of that, like what I talked about earlier with Paul Goldschmidt, his batting average in balls of play was like 30 points below what his career average was. So I think that that's going to also improve his numbers a little bit. Uh, he's a guy that could play first or third base. It just absolutely mashes from the left side of the plate. And that's, that's why I've got him as my number two. Dude, I am so mind baffled right now. I'm trying to figure out who your number one is. Don't tell me. 
Dude, my number one's Freddie Freeman. Okay. Hold on, no, stop. Don't say a freaking word, Noah. I'm trying to... F Who am I forgetting? Am I going to be mad when you say it? Like, 100%. Am I going to be mad? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it would be mad. Don't tell me yet. Dude, wait, who could it be? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out who it could be anyway. Freddie Freeman is my number one. Uh last year had a four war. Very good for a first baseman. Dude matches balls. 38 home runs. Dude, I don't care about his elbow injury. You look at his numbers. The dude is just disgusting. Uh since 2016, 2016, 968 OPS. 2017, 989 OPS. 2018, 892. And last year, 938. Those are MVP elite years in OPS. OPS plus, well over a hundred. Freddie Freeman's disgusting. He's a picking machine. He's a gold glove winner. You love to see the guy. My gosh. Freddie Freeman, my number one first baseman in the league. Who's your number one? Give me a hint, please. I'm not there's no need for me to give you a hint. I'm gonna My number one first baseman is Matt Olson. Twenty six oh. years old. Absolutely <laughs> matches from the left side I'm of the plate. An idiot. How did You know what? I can't believe you know. If any Oakland Athletics fans are watching, please know that I am. But it's like just don't feel like I'm being disrespectful. I'm not. I totally forgot about my own favorite team's first baseman that I said early on. Just go. Yeah, I mean, you already covered it to an extent. He's one of those guys I really didn't know all that much about coming into, like, last season. Like, I didn't really know who he was to all that. And and I found that the more that I've looked at Matt Olson as a player and the more I've watched him play, the more I've just fallen in love with how good he is as a player. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I feel bad for you as an athletics fan because I doubt Billy Bean's going to shell out the money that this man's going to earn in free agency. But, you know, like you talked about, he missed a whole month of the season last year, still f four thousandths of a point below 900 OPS, 36 home runs, uh, almost a 140 OPS plus, put up five and a half baseball reference war, absolute elite defense, hits moonshots from the left side of the plate. He's only 26. He's going to get better. He's just He's just now entering his prime. Like he's just gonna be insane here in two or three years. Uh, I just I think he's gonna he's a stud. I, he's I've got as my number one. I love you. <laughs> love you too, Rob. I love you a lot. Thank you for that. I needed that. That made my day better. Um, dude, Matt Olson, man. Let's just talk about Matt Olson for a second here. Dude, with the Athletics, they're, like they're gonna have to decide: Do you want Matt Chapman or do you want Matt Olson? Do you know how much that sucks? Like, they're not going to be able to afford both of them. I see Matt Chapman going to the Cardinals. Tell me that's not a good fit. I mean, it would be, but they might not go out and get Nolan Arenado before that. Still, Matt Chapman's going to be gone. If I had to choose between Matt Chapman or Matt Olson, dude, I don't, you know, I don't even want to think about that. Guys, this is, this is the last year, dude. This sucks. After this year, I don't know if we're going to be good. I don't know. I think you'll still be good. You guys always find a way to be good somehow. You'll get some other stud somehow it's just out of nowhere Sheldon noisy will turn into stop an all -star. I, I hate that guy <laughs> he might he might be uh number three on the list after brett laurie and colt calhoun i just hate his name anyway so yeah so that's our top 10 so i'll repeat my top five and you repeat your top five at least yep my number five is paul goldschmidt my number four is anthony rizzo my number three is matt olson my number two is pete alonzo and number one is freddie freeman for me Okay, my number five was Rizzo. Number four, Polar Bear Pete Alonzo. 
number three, Max Muncy, number two, Freddie Freeman, and number one, the best first baseman in real life and in MLB The Show, Matt Olson. Wait, can you say that last part again? said the best first baseman in the MLB and in MLB The Show, Matt Olson. Thanks. I just wanted to hear that. Um, yeah, so that's our top ten. Um, coming next week, we will do top ten second baseman. You want to do that? Sure, me. All right, so next week we will do top 10 second baseman across Major League yep. Baseball. I, I will say, let's put an asterisk on that. If some actual baseball news comes out, then we'll kind of put a pause on this series. I think this will kind of be a, when there's nothing going on, we'll throw this in. So yeah, we've got that's a good to talk point. about. So if, if a bunch of news breaks, maybe on the Red Sox stuff, and, and maybe they come with more season decisions, we'll talk about that. But otherwise, plan on another position top 10. Yep, and uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rob underscore Rundle, at Noah underscore Gayhart. And our collective Twitter, at Chalk Talk Nation. Follow us on Twitch, Chalk Talk Nation. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're everywhere. And if you just search us, you'll find us. That's how we roll. That's how we roll here in the greater Cincinnati area. Um, but be sure to wash your hands. Uh, be smart about the social distancing thing. And um, we will see you guys soon. Watch out for uh, future streams. Take care, everybody.